0: Hello, 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 welcome to a new dialogue and I'm your host, Barbara Joseph. You guys are in for a treat. I had a chance to uh, speak with Ovia Kemigisha. Uh, her story is very unique. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but her story is so interesting. She's an immigrant from Uganda. And we met on Clubhouse. And after speaking with her, I just saw how we have to take time to listen to people's stories because you don't know what they know And you don't know how they feel about what they know or what they've experienced. So giving them the space, the opportunity to share their story can actually empower your own story. And this was exactly what happened to me. I got some very powerful words from her, words of wisdom, words of encouragement. And I look forward to having her back and speak on different things that we talked about in this podcast. So please go ahead and listen.
1: Hi, Barbara. Oh, good morning. Hi, Olivia. Good morning. Okay. So, apparently I needed to download the app first. Okay.
0: Well, I'm glad you <laughs> we were able to get it together. Thank you for joining me. How are you this morning?
1: Good. Um, I'm well. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I was just, you know, like seeing how how we had to be patient in this this uh, process and <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it's been teaching me lessons, like, Barbara, just be patient. So I'm so happy um, you were able to join us. Let me do the introduction. Hello, everyone. This is a new dialogue. And today I have, I'm your host, Barbara Joseph. And today I have Ovia Kenigisha. Yes. And she has an amazing story. She was born in Uganda, came to America in 2012, lived in Seattle, Washington, and now resides in Princeton, New Jersey. She's married with two little girls and works as a technology products and program manager. We actually met on Clubhouse. So, Ovia, can you give us a little bit more about you other than what I've already said?
1: Hi, Barbara. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, you said basically you summarized it perfectly well. I uh, We met on Clubhouse, and I am um, a sucker for great connections and having great conversations with people, so... I love I love Clubhouse and I like um, making making new friends I guess
0: and I'm so happy you know we became friends and so that we can connect and make this podcast because you know when you told me about you you were you from Uganda and you're immigrants to America I was like that's a very unique story mm-hmm. uh, because I met more Nigerians people from Ghana yeah um, Kenya even but I've not met someone from Uganda. So since you've been living in the United States, what differences have you noticed between living in Seattle, Washington, and Princeton? Because one is on the West Coast and one is on the East
1: Coast. Yeah. How's that? Uh I think it plays into the real stereotypical kind of (laughs) Uh, East Coast, West Coast divide because... on the west coast people are like passive aggressively nice mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then here they're more um like they're they're nice but they don't seem nice i don't know if that makes sense mm. like they'll be it, it's very new yorkish because i guess there's lots of overflow from new york so um like they'll look mad at you but they'll help you Mm. Or they won't, you know, they won't stand around and chat, chat, and chat with you about nothing. But if you need help, they will help you. Like if you have so many bags, they'll help you carry. Um, whereas in Seattle, it's, uh, it was a lot of, um, I don't know, hippie, uh, not hippie. I don't want to use that word, but uh, yeah, more passive aggressive. So it's interesting. Uh, but even with that said, I, I really miss Seattle and I miss. Um, you know like friends and obviously when you've established yourself somewhere it feels a lot like home
0: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> especially because that was the first place you you live when you came from Uganda so that's your yeah that was your what you got familiar with but I like the fact that you said um they seem the people in New Jersey they seem nice they see me but they actually are nice and the reason why yeah. that stood out to me because I live in Georgia I grew up in New York and I was military, so I lived on the West Coast, I lived on the East Coast, I lived in the uh, Midwest, and now I'm down South. And I see exactly what you're talking about, and I couldn't figure mm-hmm. it out. Like, wait, why are these people, like, they seem nice, but then you try to get to know them, they kind of, like, <laughs> shut you off. But in New York, they're like, they don't like you, they don't deal with you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's I really the- like that.
1: Yeah. Um, but then also, like, like, let me let me give a, like, a really quick disclaimer to say um, this is not everybody. No, we have, of not, course. Taken, we no. have not taken a sample of every human being on the East Coast and the West Coast. So don't come at Barbara. Please. No, no,
0: that's that. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. to put that that was my experience. And I just identified with that because yeah. because I've lived in so many different parts of the country. That's why that question was so important because I wanted to hear your take on it. A lot of yeah. people don't realize that each state you live in, there's a different mindset and a different attitude. So you can't generalize everyone.
1: But yes. what do you miss about very, Seattle? Very um, I don't know. I guess <laughs> passive aggressiveness. Um, no, I, I miss uh, just the familiarity of everything. Like, um, obviously, eight years is a long time. Yeah. So... Like I had my spots, like if I needed a good stick, I knew where I could Mm -hmm. go and not be disappointed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I guess the familiarity and also um, the friends, the um, access to staff, because, um, the, like I'm in Princeton, and we don't have like a very good public network like mm-hmm. public transportation network, so you have to drive everywhere mm-hmm. I miss yeah. just hopping onto a bus and you know reading mm-hmm. a book while I get to where i'm going yeah <laughs> I mean yeah. I can take the train to New York, but obviously with corona, things have changed <laughs> right yeah,
0: no that is so yeah. good because um it you do get you get comfortable in a, a position and then you're like, man, I gotta readjust, but when you came from Uganda.
1: Mm-hmm. And you
0: landed in Seattle, Washington. What yeah. was that feeling like when you were like all these people? It's colder. It's not as bright and sunny. What yeah. did? What was that feeling
1: like? Um, well, for one, it's a very long flight, so I was, you know, glad to finally be home, mm-hmm. new this new home. Um, but I, I think uh, the stark differences, obviously, were in the weather because. Um, Uganda is in the tropics, so we have just rainy season and sunny season, and it's always warmer than like seventy two, mm-hmm. almost all 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 year round. So it's good; it's like a little paradise. And then um, I moved in October, and it was just beginning like to really get really cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that was the first stack difference. And then the other difference I realized, like, driving through, obviously, lots of places from um, the SeaTac airport to where we lived in Norohurst, it was, I was like, well, what? This is, I don't know, I feel like this is the America they don't show us because, like, Mm -hmm. we drove through downtown. I was like there's lots of homeless people Mm. like I I didn't know this (laughs) there's lots of people like sleeping under the bridges Mm. um lots of people in downtown Seattle like sleeping on the sidewalks like like, oh wow this this is not the America they sell like in the movies and on tv and stuff Mm -hmm. so that that was also something different and then obviously um the infrastructure the differences um the infrastructure and how far along this country was mm-hmm. in, uh, like the road networks and the buildings and uh, just access to things, and yeah. <laughs> what did they
0: sell you about America? Like, I want to know what when you were in Uganda,
1: what did America seem like to you? Well, America seems like, like, uh, most places obviously you see will be very clean, um they don't show you like homeless people sleeping under bridges in the movies or well not not the movies that I had seen I guess um and they don't uh they didn't really show like my my I my exposure to like black Americans especially African Americans was um obviously through R&B and I don't know Blink (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um and then also through like gang violence mm-hmm. because the, the, the movies like there's always a gangster dude's always a gangster and so they 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 don't show you like the successful normal black people like who aren't athletes who aren't mm-hmm. um, musicians and rappers there's lots of people making it big there's lots of you know like um I won't say composed mm-hmm. <laughs> more yeah some like yeah that was that about um, the black people not showing us um, a different kind of black man, especially, Mm -hmm. or a different kind of black woman than, you know, the feisty (laughs) woman in the movies. Yeah.
0: Wow. That is so, and I I love hearing that stuff because I try to, I don't watch a lot of movies because they always, Mm -hmm. you can already see what kind of characters they're going to have. And see, I see how mm-hmm. that intentional image is being replayed all over. And so you're yeah. telling me that's what they you got from that intentional image. So now yeah. that when you first got here and you, you started to see it for yourself, and I'm so happy I'm talking to you because some people are kind of like, they don't.
1: How has the yeah. experience this made you look at Africa differently? Um, I would say I have a deeper appreciation for Africa. Mm. Like a deeper appreciation for home. Wow. Uh because in as much as the US is awesome, um, and you know, there's so many things here obviously that are not like home, um, that are better than home for sure. For some reason it just makes me appreciate my home so much more. <laughs> yeah. Because um I, get, I think it comes down to people and the connections you make with people yeah like yeah. on a on a more um human level I would say the U.S. is more capitalistic mm-hmm. <laughs> so um it's always it's more hassle 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 if I'm making a connection with you it's either because I want something or um you can give me something or you can advance my my motives right. as opposed to or you're my neighbor let mm. me get to know you cuz we live in the same place and let's you know let's build this community. Yeah. So again not to say that that doesn't exist here. Right. It's just more prevalent back home. So yeah. Mm.
0: I love that answer because mm. it's cuz you know I I don't know if I told you I was born in Haiti.
1: Yes, yes I see that on your profile. <laughs>
0: so I came to America when I was 7 years old. But someone told me they were like, you are a hybrid because at home, you are Haitian outside. Yeah. You are American. That's and true. so I see the difference. I see what you're talking about It's that, you know, that hustle, hustle, hustle. But what makes us human? Let's, let's focus on that too. And I appreciate that so much. So as an African immigrant woman, mother of two girls, do you try to maintain any of your African culture while in America?
1: I try. <laughs> I try I try I, I'll say I'm, I'm kind of failing mm-hmm. sometimes but I do my best um at least for things like the food especially my 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 children have grown up on uh, mostly African food so mm-hmm. yeah so I, I do we cook a lot of food every time we go home we bring back lots of like specialty foods mm-hmm. and um I guess a few of the traditions, uh, like your relationship with your parents, um, the way you talk to elders, regardless of whether you know them or not, mm. and um, yeah, what some dance obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> like some dance and cultural um songs, yeah.
0: Why do you think that is important? Why do Why do you want to maintain that?
1: Um, I I want to maintain it because um, when I, I need them to have, like, a source of um, grounding, mm-hmm. like, for their lives. Like, regardless of, ov- obviously, they're now global citizens, but regardless of where they end up, I hope that they will always be grounded in who they are. Mm-hmm. I hope that they will look um, look back to, like, to, to their African heritage, their Ugandan heritage, and go, you may say, like... Y- the world may say I'm X, but I know who I am. Mm. So I'm like, I'm cool with who I am. I know who I am and I'm fine with it. And also never to get embarrassed by um, the things that are uniquely African about them.
0: Mm. Yeah. And what are some of those things?
1: I would say, um, well maybe hair is not uniquely african but like the hairstyles Mm -hmm. um like i remember a few years ago my my, she's now eight she was about five um i didn't have time to get her hair done before school so she went to school on monday with like a huge afro Mm -hmm. and um she was in a mostly white private school Mm -hmm. and she went to class and even the um, the brown kids that were there were either mixed or um a different kind of brown so her hair was unique to her Mm -hmm. and she had um she came home and told me all these kids were touching it and my first instinct was to like how did how how dare they touch your hair without asking (laughs) why and then I I reeled that back in and asked her hey How did you feel? Mm. She's like, it made me feel special. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, Fuchs, I'm so glad I didn't come in with the how how dare they touch your hair. So she said, it made her feel special. And I, you know, asked her why. She's like, it was unique. I'm the only one with my kind Mm -hmm. of hair. And so they had a bunch of questions to ask me. And they're like, what happened? Did it grow overnight? Because the last time she had corners and it was really flat on her head. And they're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a little, like, because it was causing so much, so, so much action. Um, The teacher called her up to just talk about it. Oh, wow. And I feel like, yeah. And I feel like that's something now she's proud yes. of. And that's something she can um, share with her little sister because their hair is the same. Mm-hmm. So things like that, while the hair is not uniquely African, but like our clothing, mm-hmm. our clothing is unique. Um, and it's very interesting because her, their father and I are from different tribes. Mm-hmm. So there's that element too. We have two different like traditional outfits, mm-hmm. Um and so they have both kinds. So trying to explain that. And yeah, it's, I, I hope, obviously I hope that by sharing these things and by encouraging them, it, like I said, keeps them grounded. At the end of the day, regardless of um, who's telling you what, or who's trying to put you in in a place they think you should be in the world, you will know that you're different. You will know that you're special. That is so awesome.
0: Yeah. That is so awesome. Yeah. And, I, and I know they're going to they're gonna be they're gonna thrive because I think just being confident and secure in your own hair, you know mm-hmm. as you see the black hair movement has changed we can wear our hair like this naturally now there's a law <laughs> right Discriminate against my right. hair We had to make a law because it was that much of a problem
1: I know and and this is not even um like a long time ago this this was passed what like a year ago two years mm-hmm. ago, yeah yeah we've come a long way (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i think um speaking of that that's the other thing that shocked me about coming here Mm -hmm. because uh back home we're all black so the like we're black (laughs) okay we had um obviously different tribes And different tribes typically have um, different physical features. Mm -hmm. Like I can see a specific person and know which tribe they're from just by their features Mm -hmm. or their complexion. Or um, even the way they speak their English is different because of the accents of the tribes they're Mm -hmm. from. Um, But at the end of the day, we were all black. And that was, it was not a thing to be black. And then I moved here and i realized really quickly that oh this is a thing you know? yeah. <laughs> um yeah it was shocking um in in a very bad way
0: <laughs> i you know i want to get back to that question because i know we were talking about mm. it um the other day and i want to make sure i didn't want to just dump right into that question but i want to ask you this question before i ask the other question how many tribes mm. do they have in Uganda? And um. It's just interesting. I don't,
1: uh-huh. yeah, I don't think these, I don't think anyone has an accurate uh-huh. count, but at the last, um, I think the last time I read about it was probably 250. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So the way it's set up is um, there's four, well, five sections. There's the north, uh-huh. there's the east, the south, the west, and then the central uh-huh. part. Okay. So you find that in the cluster, like, for example, in the central part, they'll have um, like maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 different variations of languages or of tribes or let's call them maybe dialects Um, and in all of those. But around the central, you find that all those different uh, dialects, people who speak those different dialects kind of understand each other. No, that makes perfect
0: sense. Yeah.
1: Yes. So when you go to the west like I'm from the west you have um a whole bunch of other you know different dialects too but it's very easy for me to understand. Um think of it think of it like uh, maybe accents yeah. like here yeah. like you can tell someone has a southern yes. accent or someone has a New York accent but then um I don't know. I guess divide that by several hundred mm. more and cluster them in one area. So it's 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 quite interesting. You're yeah. very
0: observant, and I love that um, because I tell <laughs> you these are the things that are go under the subconscious mind, and people don't realize how they play into yeah. your own life. So you you were saying how you notice colorism. You saw a colorism. It stood out to you more yeah. here, and you never had any yes. idea that, hey, my color is different from your color, what experience did you have that makes you see, like, these people are really focused on color here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, we we obviously watch movies, so we knew about a, a bit of racism, and then we did um, some American history, so we study, um, like, the, the history of slavery in America, but we're so far removed. Mm. We're like, okay, this happened... Uh, 400 years ago like come on guys like snap out of it already mm-hmm. um, and uh, when when I got here um I realized quickly that it doesn't matter like how many how many degrees you have or how much how much um affluence you have or whatever as long as you present as black somebody's out there judging Mm. you because you present as Black. And so my first real experience was literally a few days after we had Mm -hmm. landed. This is October 2012. I have a two-month-old baby. I have, you know, like a bout of postpartum depression. I just moved to a new country. I quit my life. I quit a great job. I quit, you know, a wonderful thriving side hustle that was making me look like, I quit my life, Mm -hmm. basically, Um, and I moved here, and I'm like, okay, Um, we had been in the house for, I think, uh, three Mm -hmm. or four days, and it was time to go out and, you know, get groceries because we were beginning to run out of what I had found, and so I put my baby in the stroller, I, you know, got myself together, put our winter gear on, and um, walked to the at The supermarket, mm-hmm. the Safeway, the grocery store. Yes, yeah, yeah, grocery, was grocery
0: store, Safeway. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so um, it was maybe a two, three minute walk, like a f- four minute ish walk from my house. So I, you know, put the baby in, and um, stroll her to the store to pick up, you know, basics, milk, uh, some bread butter and then you know wait till my husband got back in the evening for the big shopping but so I get in there we walk around the place I pick up a few things and obviously I have the stroller so I'm putting things in the stroller like under Mm -hmm. the stroller (laughs) basket um I go to check out and there's a black man no kidding you there's a black older gentleman and he um I put my stuff, you know, on the, on the trolley thing and they, uh, he scans them to check me out. And just as I, I'm about to, you know, wheel over to go the other side and pay, he walks all the way from the checkout counter, comes towards me and checks wow. my stroller. Yeah. He checked like under, you know, in the stroller basket down under the baby. And then he, no kidding, lifted my baby's wow. blanket and checked. Wow, and I'm 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 standing there going, feeling extremely violated. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you opening my baby? And that's exactly how I said it because obviously, when you're in I don't know crisis mode, I translate my English to it's a like direct translation. So I asked him, why are you opening my baby? And he's like, oh, uh, uh, sisters do this all the time. Mm. I don't know if he said sisters, but he said, uh, yeah, he said mm. something, do this all the time. And I immediately knew that he meant oh. black women do this all the time. And that was shocking on very many levels because, oh my goodness, so you think I'm going to steal because if you, I don't know, in your experience, black people yeah. have stolen. And then on the other level, it was, you were a uh-huh. black man. <laughs> You're a black man, and even you, in all your blackness, you Mm -hmm. are biased. That was crazy for me. Anyway, I paid and you know, strolled back home with a baby, and sat down and just you know replayed it over and over again. I'm like, oh Mm -hmm. my goodness, this is different. And then the other thing is obviously it's um like a weekday. At that time, there's a bunch of other moms and I had seen no, no lie. I had seen like white moms come in buy their stuff, and walk out. And I didn't see him check. I, I think I saw like two. I didn't see him check. And yeah. So obviously when I got home, I started to recall all that. I was like, wait, I said hi to a mom. We talked about our kids. I saw her like go out. I didn't see this dude come yeah. over and check her yeah and so it was basically guilty until proven innocent and um it's kind of almost been that way throughout
0: <laughs> I, know, I know i'm listening because i understand like i understand and i yeah. love the fact that you said you're black and you with all your with all your blackness and all you still biased. because what i realized mm-hmm. is not about the person's colors their mindset if a person is going to be biased towards yeah. you it doesn't matter if they're white or black, and yeah. that's what the problem is, is that you're biased. It doesn't matter who you are; you're just biased, yeah. and that's yeah. what we want to get yeah. out of. And so I'm just so happy yeah. you, you're able to share that experience with us. Um, so, do you find it more easier or <laughs> challenging to raise children in America? I mean, I know you came here with your daughter; she was only two, two months old. So you okay. don't have kids two in months. You got to say, well. I raised this one differently, but what? based on how you were brought up
1: do you think it's easier or challenging um i I feel like it's definitely more challenging um because obviously we we raise children up um best off of how we were raised Mm -hmm. you see you're almost kind of an extension of your parents um honestly it's it's hard it's a hard truth but good or bad your the way you parent is directly influenced by how you mm. are parented, and so it's I find that it's more difficult because I don't have you mm-hmm. know the village oh. <laughs> because uh yeah back home if um if like a neighbor saw you in a place you shouldn't be, they had every right to grab your arm and drag mm. you back home <laughs> and while obviously um Things like spanking kids. Um, I I don't spank my kids, but then back home, like even the neighbor had mm-hmm. a right to spank you and take you home and say, yeah. And I spanked her because she did X, Y, Z in my presence. And parents were cool with that. And you know, you have like aunts and uncles, and it's a big mm-hmm. community that's always help, always helping, and it's um. Like the community, the common goal is let's raise these kids, right? And so you always have a helping hand. There was never a time when um like my parents were away and we mm-hmm. didn't have help. Or we didn't have like one or two adults watching us for that time. So I miss that. Um Yeah. Does having <laughs> do you feel lonely yeah.
0: because of that without having your um your community? Does that make you feel lonely?
1: Um, sometimes it's, it's more, it's more evident sometimes, like, especially, um, if I'm very busy, like the time I was in grad school and I was, um, working a full-time job and Mm. I was, uh, yeah, having my kid then, you know, being the parent on ground, their father had just moved to Princeton. So he was away for a year. And we had that gap where it was just mm-hmm. the girls and I. And at that time I really, mm-hmm. really missed home. I really missed um yeah. like having a break. <laughs> like yeah, because to go get a manicure I had to have um mm-hmm. a nanny come and watch them and you're paying by the hour yeah. for the nanny and you're paying by the hour for whatever yeah. it was you're doing. And yeah. So you miss them at times like that. Or oh, I miss them on um, like it's a school it's a school event and it's mm. Grandparents Day, and everyone you know brings their grandparents, yeah. and I'm like oh mm-hmm. no, um, but yeah the good thing is schools are inclusive these days so they'll say mm. grand friends, so you just bring a, an older friend so yeah we'll have like a a friend go over in our place or. Um, like sometimes my one of my mentors has shown up as you that's know the right. grandparent <laughs> and so yeah so have you
0: been able yeah. to build a community do you go to church and and do things like that or is it just you know still getting situated
1: yeah in Seattle I had one I guess that's also why I really miss Seattle because I had um, a community we had a cadence of doing things Um and then here so I moved to Princeton. Um, I don't know if you know, but uh, immigrants have to work on like specific mm. visas. And so my visa, because again, I moved, it was a mm-hmm. spousal visa. And towards the end of 2019, mm-hmm. it was changing. And so my husband got a different visa. And because he got a different visa, the spousal derivative of that one um, would not let me Mm. like stay employed yeah so I could not legally work from 2019 and through most of 2020 and so (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so and it's very it's very very ironic because um it's one of those visas for extraordinary Mm. ability so he does a bunch of stuff in um, pharmacy and research and health economics and because they're like oh you're you know you have like extraordinary abilities but we don't think your wife wow. is worth crap. <laughs> wow. I don't know. It, does it make... doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that they would, you know, do that. But, yeah, that's the reality of things. So so then it was a quick, you know, you have to weigh between, should he mm. give this up? Uh, you know, like, it's like a literally a direct fast forward to, A green card and later citizenship should he give that up for you to continue your career or should you then give up so he can pursue this and you know get 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 a faster route to a green card and then you can get employment after that and so yeah it was a no-brainer i had to quit and pack up the girls and move this way and so yeah and obviously we moved at the end of 2019 and then just as we were getting settled, you know, beginning to look for homes um, around the area uh, in January, obviously the holidays, there's a break. So around mid-January, we began looking, then we began hearing the, you know, the rumors mm-hmm. of coronavirus before we could find a home. Boom, coronavirus had hit. <laughs> we were, first day of March, I remember, very clearly we were in New York for some, st- some stuff. And it was mm-hmm. like a ghost town and I had mm-hmm. never seen New York like that. It's like, oh crap, mm-hmm. this is serious. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a long, long winded way of saying no. I have not built a community here. Um, mostly because twenty twenty was a mm-hmm. shelter in place here. But yeah, but obviously I've been able to um join like a few mommy and mommy groups around the area. So we talk that's online. Cool. But it's but it's kind of it's not the same as if we had met before all of this, you see. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, fast forward to today, there's Clubhouse. You know, when you
0: told me you were in Seattle, (laughs) your husband was in New Jersey. How did you move from the Seattle to New Jersey? Did you drive or did you?
1: No, yeah, like how did that move (laughs) go? With the two young kids, um, it was uh, it was because he he moved for work, um, his workplace was able to okay. get us movers. So they, yeah, he moved a year before, but you have up to I think eighteen okay. months to move your family, and they're still considering because they know you haven't. Like your spouse may be doing other things or whatever. So within those eighteen months, we knew we were going to move, and so it was I called the movers they scheduled an appointment for the next week. They came and packed up the house, like literally packed up everything in a day, put it on trucks and then uh, okay. shipped it across the country. Then like a day later, they came, uh, he, they had already taken his car. So they came and packed up our mm-hmm. car and took it. <laughs> and then we flew. We flew, mm-hmm. I think, a day later. I love movers. Yeah.
0: Verse. I love movers. Uh, and...
1: Yeah. Right, right. I mean, except they lost mm-hmm. some some things mm-hmm. and broke something. You can claim
0: like, those things. I guess, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: follow claim.
1: Yeah. And so yeah. my
0: last question is, um, I like to mm-hmm. end on a positive note, and this conversation has been extremely positive. I'm so happy I get to talk to you. Um, I'm good. <laughs> So before you immigrated to the U.S., what advice would you have liked for someone to give you and your family?
1: Oh wow, that's that's a really good one, Papa. Um, I would say I would have liked for someone to sit me down and uh, tell me the reality yeah. of the situation. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we didn't have moved. <laughs> um, because it was extremely difficult, especially in the beginning. So I'd have liked for someone to say, "Hey, this is mm-hmm. new. This is different." don't expect don't expect your life to just Mm -hmm. pick up where you left off so I came with the expectation of oh like I'm a management consultant at Deloitte like I will get a Mm -hmm. job in like five seconds um and that didn't happen because again I at the time I had to wait and you know secure a Mm -hmm. visa that would let me work so that took about Mm -hmm. two years to do so I'd have liked to know. I mean, I could have researched that stuff, but <laughs> I just had a baby. Um, yeah. So I would have liked to know, like the the realities of um, mm-hmm. working here. Like here, yeah, um, there's a million hoops you have to jump through if you're an an immigrant to get wow. into like corporate America to get into like a good jobs. There's several hoops you have to jump through, and then um. I'd have liked to know, like, the financial impact because you come from a place where you, you've established yourself and everything, and then you get here and you're literally kind of having mm-hmm. to start all over again. Um, sort of like, like, those are obvious things. Like, I was aware there was going to be changes, but the reality of those changes. Um, and then, obviously, key would have been, like, to mentally prepare mm. for the Black experience to mentally prepare for people looking at you and you know you're presenting you have a bunch of experience but because you just sound different or you present your ideas differently or you carry yourself a little differently you don't um you're mm. not like invited in <laughs> yeah so I'd have I'd have liked to be more more prepared for that and then um yeah I guess I would have been it and then I'd also have like to have someone go, hey, it's going to suck mm. for a while, but then it gets better and it yeah. gets really good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 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 So interesting you yeah, so asked that question. A friend of mine was asking me, I think three years after we moved, she was asking me, she's like, hey, um, so her husband had gotten a, an offer to do a PhD as well. Um, somewhere in DC, I think, Washington. And she asked me... um should I move and my question was do you want the real real answer or like like, do you do you want and I guess the answer is it depends and I told her how much truth do you want to hear like just you know give it to me the way it is. and I told her this is what happens you're basically giving up your life especially if you're trailing spouse you're giving up parts of your life so are you good with that? You're taking um a few years back in your career. Are you good with that? You're giving up. Um, like your finances are definitely going to take a hit. Are you okay with that? And so, um, best off of all, conversation. He moved when he was in his second year. She moved, but you know it gave them like so she, two hello? years of headway to like. Get oh yeah. Like, hello. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah but yes that's that's um in in short that's the kind of advice that i've liked and i've liked like a that's real awesome. real real talk <laughs> that's awesome and, I, and i'm sure yeah. someone's
0: going to learn from this podcast because what you're saying sounds very similar to military spouses because mm-hmm. i was in the military i was the one leading but mm-hmm. there are military spouses when they have to follow their spouses to wherever assignment they go that's mm-hmm. the the questions they need to ask themselves life every time this person moves so I just want to say thank you but I know I said one last question and I did but I want to leave on a (laughs) what message do you tell yourself when you remember you are from Uganda remember you are smart you are beautiful you are kind you are honest when you remember those things what words of affirmation do you use it to pull that back out to you
1: honestly Mm. I just say I am me I am me. Like um remember like especially when I'm in yeah. a very, very low place or when you know people are doubting me, like at work and or I've like got into this lowest of low, I will sit down and like go through mm. the highlights of my life. I go, you you like you wouldn't be terrible if you had like it because sorry, you because you did A B C you have earned your place you did you know you did this project you have earned your place you picked up your life and moved you have earned your place you you know did grad school with two kids alone and blah 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 you have earned the right to be here you have earned your place and I I keep like telling myself over and over and I will literally sit down get out my resume get out like copies um And this comes like from, especially from work situations, because personal life, it's, um, I I feel like it's much easier to navigate. Mm -hmm. It's when you're in work, in a workplace, and, you know, imposter syndrome is creeping up on you. And, you know, I I work with a lot of techies, and some boy thinks, you know, because Mm -hmm. you can't code, you're an idiot. And so, (laughs) yeah, I I I tell myself, you have earned your place. You have earned your place. Um, yeah, I believe it, um, it, that po- that positive
0: self-talk. It, it, I believe it, but I like that. I am mm-hmm. me. I have earned my place. <laughs> hey, put some respect mm-hmm. on my name.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I love
0: that. Thank right. you so much, Amia. It yeah,
1: was a pleasure.
0: Yeah. I would love to have you back <laughs> again because what you were talking about, I'm big Yay. on positive self-talk and why it's important. And so what you just yeah. gave me was a glimpse yeah. of, why that is important and I would love to have you back. We're going to schedule something uh, in the future because this was awesome. This was a great talk. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Um,
0: Thank you. I Um, I will get in touch (laughs) with you and let you know when everyone will be able to hear this conversation. Be blessed by it. Uh, But I just want to say thank you again. Bye. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Have a great day. Blown away, aren't you? What did I tell you? What did I tell you? I am me. You know, that's what she said. I am me. I am just like that part right there. I am me. I earn. (laughs) I earn my position. I earn it. In the military, we used to be like, I earn my stripes. You know, when you people are feeling like they're disrespecting you. we are like, no, I earned my strap. And that's what she's saying. I earned my seat at the table. I earned to be respected as a woman. I earned all of this. I earned it. And I love that, you know, not entitlement, but I earned it. And so we can learn a lot from other people's stories, like I said. And I hope you did. And I know you did. And as I say in my story, I interview great people, and she's a great person. I'm glad you had a chance to meet her and listen to the story. Feel free to share this with your friends. If you want to be a guest on um, my podcast, you have that option. You can send an email to uh, coachbarberj at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on uh, Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Clubhouse as Coach Barbara J, and I would love to have you. Thank you for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.